0: I go, hey, I got some good news and some bad news for you. I said, hey, the good news is, is we know who killed Michelle Helford. I go, the bad news is, it's you. Brothers and sisters!
1: Brothers and sisters! I don't know what this world is coming to! You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in US law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue podcast is coming at you right now. What up, fam? Welcome to the latest episode of the Black and Blue Podcast, where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. My name is Dale. I'm the host. Thank you for joining me. I love and appreciate the support you've shown me and this show. If you want to continue supporting the show, please like and subscribe to the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps me and the channel out a whole lot. So make sure you click on that bell icon on the YouTube channel so you can get notified of any new content. And check out the Black and Blue podcast social media pages. You can find us everywhere at Black and Blue U.S. Now, today's guest is a supervisory investigator for the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office out here in California. Everyone, please give a warm Black and Blue welcome to Maurice Landrum. How you doing, brother?
0: Hey, how you doing, Dale?
1: Excellent. Excellent. I'm glad you can make
0: it. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah. So what's going on with you out there? Uh, you out here in uh, San Bernardino County, right? That's correct. All right. Yeah, that's, that's where I stay. So, um, you know, tell everybody about uh, San Bernardino County, how large it is and, and what you do for them.
0: Well, you know, out of the 58 counties in California, San Bernardino County is the largest county, as you know. Um, I uh, work for the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office as a Supervising District Attorney Investigator. I'm the first Black African American investigator, Supervising Investigator, that was promoted in their history. Uh, been charged with real estate fraud, workers' comp, uh, HIV search warrant unit, and trial prep. So I've had those three. Those four different units there, as a supervisor out here with the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office.
1: Okay, all right. what What okay. does a what does a District Attorney's investigator do for for the people out there that don't know?
0: Okay, so uh, you can look at us as a uh, we're we're, we're police officers. So we're eight thirty point one. So for the people out there who don't understand our Penal Code section, we're we're same as the police officers Redland Police Department. Fontana, San Bernardino County, LAPD. We're, we still have peace officer powers in that respect. What we do is a different type of uh, uh, law enforcement activity. We usually we're, we help prepare and organize cases for the district attorney's office, and then we have a self investigative unit, which, like real estate fraud, for instance, that we uh, do our own investigations. And then now they have a shooting team, a callout team. But what we do is we we put cases together, uh, find witnesses. Uh, we serve search warrants. We serve arrest warrants. We do extraditions. So we do a lot of different things: surveillances, uh, witness protection, dignitary protection. So we do a lot of things that uh, your normal police department would do, but we do it for the district attorney. You know, in the sake of the of prosecutors.
1: All right so in that capacity are like are the da's kind of like your bosses or do you guys have a, a different chain of command or how does that work
0: okay so we have a, a different chain of command within the district attorney's office but ultimately uh we answer to the the district attorney so we have a what's known as a chief investigator and so that's uh, through the bureau investigation so our mother b of i bureau of investigations and so we have yeah, our true. our our rank and command staff there and we, uh, we're depending on what unit you're working with, you're assigned to different, uh, deputy district attorneys. And there's a supervising uh, district attorney and a chief investor, uh, district attorney.
1: Okay. Got you. Got you. How long you been there?
0: Uh, I've been there for 12 and a half years.
1: Okay. 12 and a half years. And what'd you do before yeah. you were there?
0: Uh, before I was there, I, I started uh, my law enforcement career with the Long Angeles police department. So I started that in May, of 1983 and oh, so I wow. retired October yeah I retired October 2004 for a weekend and then I was hired at the San Bernardino district attorney's office I was sworn in that Monday so I had a whole two days to be retired
1: man you couldn't give it up huh
0: I, I tried the, the wife made me go back <laughs> to work because you know, <laughs> she likes shopping
1: Right. You know, tell me about it tell me about it mine is saying i, I got four more years with my department and my wife is like you better figure out something to do because we can't have you just spending our money you know <laughs> when you retire because she yeah. you know she's not in law enforcement so she can't retire early so she's still going to be working so it's a little different
0: oh you'll be doing things uh i have a yeah, oh yeah a pi license as well so
1: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, hopefully I'll be doing this show. That's that's what I plan to be doing. But, you know, <laughs> I digress. Oh, I think you, I I dig- think
0: you. I think you'll be doing that full time. You you, you yeah, hit your yeah. mark here. That's what
1: I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So uh, you were at uh, LAPD for how long? That was 20 something years, right? For,
0: uh, yeah. Twenty one and a half years. Yeah.
1: OK. OK. And yeah. what did you do over there?
0: Well, i did it all i did everything under the sun there so i obviously i started out at the academy i uh, started a patrol and probation i was i started at harbor division uh, when i got of probation as a probation officer i went to pacific division which is in west bureau uh, i went on a loan the west bureau crashed there worked the gang unit there and then i came in the south bureau went to southwest and in southwest i worked a variety of different uh, assignments everything from the uh, hype car so heroin addicts to Special Problems Unit, to games And just, you know, at work vice. So I did a variety of things there. Then I went to, as a detective trainee from there, I worked all the different tables, you know, robbery, burglary, crimes against persons, you know, uh, theft motor vehicles. And then I I graduated and went to homicide. So I went to software homicide and that's where I kind of hung my hat for a couple of years. I made detective there uh while I was there, I ended up promoting out of homicide to a sergeant, went out to Northeast Division, which is Central Bureau, uh, worked out for a spell, reverted back to detective, came back into homicide to work FBI task force, uh, worked out for a while, went back out as a sergeant because my wife was a deputy sheriff for L.A. County. She was assigned to Harbor, I mean, to Carson Station. So I went to Harbor Division. it's close. I wanted to be kind of close in case something happened there. Then I eventually went back to Northeast one more time as a sergeant, transferred again to Southeast as a crash sergeant, a gang sergeant. I worked that for a while. Then I became the uh, patrol adjutant, and then I became the OIC of IA there, and finally promoted out of there to South Traffic Division, where, where I worked until I retired.
1: Wow, you, you did it all over there, it seems like. Oh,
0: I had a, had, a, had a great career there at LAPD.
1: All right. And then, like we said, sure. after you, you hung it up, you, you, you couldn't stay retired. You you kind of moved out this way and, and went to the DA's office over here and did a lot of good things over there as well, So or doing a lot of good things over there as well. So I appreciate you for your service and everything you've done in both departments, both agencies. Good stuff.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: So you said your your wife was with the LASO, L.A. Sheriff's Department. Um, that's that's kind of a big rivalry between LAPD and LASO. Um, how do you guys work that out over the years? That's kind of like a that's kind of like a Crips and Bloods or UCLA, <laughs> USC type of <laughs> rivalry there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you a little real talk. I actually met her before she was a uh, deputy sheriff. I, I met her when I was in patrol at Southwest Division and she was with her mother by the ymca in santa rosalia in malton so i met her got a phone number and uh we we just started dating and so uh we got married and then when uh we, when our son was born uh, 10 months later she was in the uh, the sheriff's academy so she went she put us up to put sheriff's academy and so that's how that spawned but uh you know i um uh, we, we had a good time and i you know obviously it's like night and day with the la county sheriff's department and lapd because oh yeah you know they have their way of doing things and we have our way of doing things so i was teaching her some of the lapd way and she would go to the academy and say hey we don't write reports like that we don't write in third person <laughs> blah blah blah." so she got jammed with this you you can't help me with that kind of stuff because they jammed yeah. us all right but uh you know it worked out <laughs> fine so but uh, yeah. one thing that's universal with with your agency and lapd and DA's office it's tactics is universal, and I'm a big tactician. Right. You know, I'm really big on tactics and stuff. So I taught her all the nuts and bolts for officer safety, and you know, and how to shoot and those things that you need out in the field. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. Is she is she still working or is she is she done?
0: No, she's retired. Yeah, she okay. had a uh, disability pension. Oh, okay. Yeah, so okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I but but I was gonna say she she's done, she's not like you, where <laughs> couldn't give it up and, and went back to work. So yeah, but she she was done for for uh medical. All right. Well well thank you for yeah. her service as well. You can tell her I said thank you for her service as well. Appreciate that.
0: I'll pass that I'll pass that off if I can get her off out of the store off of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You you better watch it. She gonna she gonna watch this and, and, and hear what you say in there, so <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, she probably will.
1: Yeah, I know she will. I know she will. So oh, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned that you guys had a had a kid. Um, was it, you guys just have the one, or how many kids did you guys have?
0: No, we have a, we have we have three uh, adult children. So uh, our, our daughter's the oh. oldest, and I have two sons. So my daughter's thirty nine. I have uh, a son thirty two, and a son twenty eight.
1: And any four grandkids.
0: Them?
1: All right, congratulations, Pop Pop.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Any of them get into law enforcement?
0: Uh, no. Well, I have one son that uh, he's a counselor for Cal State San Bernardino. Uh, my other son is a, uh, a security officer at uh, Casa Colina, and my daughter works for AAA. Okay. So
1: so n- yeah. nobody wanted to follow in, in mom or dad's footsteps here. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it, thinking about today's climate. That may or may not be a good thing. Yeah.
0: Well, I think uh, when you look at today's climate and and things have changed, like I'll give you some quick examples. Uh, When I came on in 1983, there was a a public cry for law and order. And so the citizens were very supportive of LAPD because we had a major game problem and we had a major uh, PCP problem in narcotics. So back then, you know, they – they really appreciate us coming to the neighborhood, cleaning it up, arresting game members, and doing those things. Now, with the pendulum change, now we have these body worn cameras. Uh, you have uh, a lot of different groups, you know, uh, the Black Life Matter groups. You have Antifa. You just you have a lot of anti police groups out there, and and you know, and then there's a lot of more a lot more accountability, which I agree with. I, I have no problem with accountability, but you have a lot more accountability now, and there's just uh, A gamut of things and then they want to defund the police, but they don't really understand the process because if you're taking resources away from the police department, it makes the community unsafe. And that's where we're at right now.
1: Right. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of these things that are going on, you know, that affect the communities. You know, they roll downhill and then they affect us in law enforcement as well. So it's, it's kind of like a, you know, like you said, the pendulum swing in one way. Hopefully we think it'll it'll swing back. You know, it always does it'll swing back towards, you know, law and order. But until then, <laughs> this is what we got. This is yeah. what we stuck with, you know.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I just I can really talk about Los Angeles because I was there for 21 and a half years. And the stark yeah. difference is, is, you know, they'll use, uh, hey, they're people are being racially profiled, which which is not happening, but they'll say that, especially down in the south end. And then they're, you know, so then, like right now, it's just, it's very violent down there, even as we're speaking right now. Shootings are happening. So now yeah. they want police uh, presence down there. But before that, when Metropolitan Division was there, they wanted to pull them out because they thought they were targeting folks. So when you pull them out, the resources out, then the shootings increase because gang members aren't taking a break down there. Right. And there's just, there's, there's just a lot of crime going on down there right now. And now uh, the other thing that I noticed is they cut the school budget for Los Angeles Unified School District. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that amazes me because they had officers actually on campus, which was a good thing because they have a lot of problems on those campuses and stuff. And that's why they had the police there. So, the, the, you know, these activists that were speaking, I don't even think they have children in the L.A. Unified School District system but they think it's a good idea to pull the police out. So right, it's, it's right. wild right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that that's interesting that you say that, you know, they don't even have kids in the LA unified district, but yeah, they over there clamoring saying that they need to remove, remove the cops from the LA unified. So yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. And That's, then, that's
0: just
1: uh Yeah. What, what's your experience out here in San Bernardino County? Um, when, once you're out here, did you see a lot of the uh, the protest once all those jumped off last year in 2020 uh, due to, you know, the George Floyd with Chauvin incident and and Breonna Taylor and all those incidents out there? What what, what sort of uh, protests and experience did you have in that?
0: Well, you know, not really too much. They didn't really protest the district attorney's office and they would have uh, they would try to get together. Near Victoria Gardens, so at Day Creek and Folio Boulevard, uh, San Bernardino County sheriffs handled that pretty well. You know, the, there would be some small gatherings, but they didn't let them go in and kind of vandalize the mall area or do any looting. So it was very mild out here, as far as I as far as I know. Now I don't know what happened in the cities of Fontana and uh, Rialto, but I or Colton, but I can I can speak for Rancho because I'm a, I'm assigned to Rancho. It's pretty wild, pretty meek here.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So moving back to the uh, district attorney's investigators office, there. I know you mentioned, you know, real estate fraud, um, a bunch of other frauds. You know, um, officer involved shootings. Is is that one of the the duties that your office handles as well?
0: Well, they just started a, a rollout team now. So you know, years ago they didn't do that. So now they have a rollout team. So when there's a a shooting from a Alon a, a agency here, they'll roll out and kind of stand by just to see, you know, get the facts, let the agency investigate, but kind of get the facts and see if there's any criminality there or if it's right. uh, if it's justified. Yeah,
1: Right. That's what I was going to ask you. So what what's the role in the DA's office in those investigations?
0: Well, basically the role is you're, you're kind of there as a, uh, a gatekeeper, you're just kind of watching the procedure, seeing if policies were followed. You're trying to see if there was anything that was out of the norm, or if there's uh, some evidence or esculpatory evidence that's not bring, being, you know, brought to the forefront. You want to gather all those things, so videos, witnesses, you know, find out if you know if, if the, uh, the the shooting is justified or what prompted the shooting. As far as a tactical thing, that's not for us to decide. That's going to be Solely with the the individual agency and your policies, rules, and procedures with regards to uh, use of deadly force.
1: Right, right. Yeah. What what what's the uh, what's the relationship or how are you guys received when you goes when you guys go in there and you you kind of shadow these agencies and trying to see if they were if everything was on the up and up? How are you guys received in those investigations?
0: Well, now I'm not on the team myself or roll out myself personally. But uh, just feedback, I, I think they're being received pretty well because they're, they're not you're, you're really not there to prosecute anybody. You're kind of just there to see get the facts, just like uh, we would do normally at, if we were at LAPD or Redlands or wherever we're at. You, you just want to get the facts, see what happened, how did it occur and, you know, and, and just make sure that there was no malice or forethought on the part of the officers and, you know, make sure that everything kind of lines up with what what occurred. Right, right.
1: You know? Yeah, so you mentioned earlier that you were the uh, the first African American that was promoted to your position. How large is is the your agency to begin with? The uh, the investigations portion of it.
0: Well, it's, there's probably around sixty folks. That's including the uh, the uh, chief investigator. The, the, now there's one assistant chief and there's two commander positions. Now, mm-hmm. so when I when I came on, it was uh, the chief investigator had two assistant chiefs you had an admin chief and operations chief and then you had supervising investigators then you had senior investigators and investigators so that's how we were kind of uh organized at that point in time and and so i i applied for the position because i was a supervisor at lapd obviously before i left had my supervisory post and so i applied for the position here and it was kind of interesting because it was a it was a good old boy system out here and uh yeah it was it was it was very thick at during my time it was very thick from rialto and uh what they did there is uh there was an assistant chief there he just took care of his folks so uh, a lot of them didn't even have supervisor experience prior supervisor experience and they promoted them and you can tell the difference with the people that promoted they didn't have any leadership skills because you could see they were very overbearing and kind of uh, autocratic, you know, so they didn't let their people develop or have helped them reach autonomy during that time. And that was kind of interesting. So I remember I, I took uh, an oral and, you know, I didn't get it the first time and, but there was a lot of shenanigans going on. Took it a second time. I didn't get it. And so I decided to to write some paper to kind of make make them aware of what's going on. So I, uh i followed uh uh, some paperwork with the uh the five uh, county supervisors i also at the time uh mike robbins was the da i also gave him a copy of what was going on and our chief investigator at the time was mike smith because the way they were doing the uh the way that i was used to oral interviews going is an outside agency would come in and sit on your panel so you would have a clean panel and then you would take an you know the cream will rise to the top just basically your your education you know your skills and abilities and your knowledge right. you know, right. to do the job but this this was just a good old boy system back then and you know it was like the assistant chief was sitting on a board and it was his his folks that were there and so they were kind of choosing so i remember when i when i finally got promoted it was kind of interesting you know this. You know, they did the orals and I think they were I don't know if they were hesitant. I don't, I don't know if they thought I was going to be militant when I got promoted. I I'd, I'd already supervised supervisors, so I mean, I, you know, I'm, right. a, I'm, a, I'm squared away. So I remember getting in. I remember uh, at the time it was uh, uh, Barnes was our assistant chief. And he he pulled me into the office with the chief. He goes, hey, Mo, you know, we're promoting you. And I just want to let you know that this is not an automatic thing. You're going to be on probation. And, you know, so if something happens, then, you know, you, you, you know, you could get demoted. So I just wow. kind of put the that. Yeah. I found that in the back of my head. Cause I, I, I know that I'm good at what I do. I, I I, yeah. you know, I, I, I've know I'm. been a supervisor. I was a supervisor yeah, and, for and 10 years. They, before I,
1: yeah. yeah. They, they didn't do that talk with all the other people they were ever promoted. Right. Do they? Oh, right? no,
0: not at all. Exactly. So I remember not. Yes, yeah, so I, I think I was there. I was probably in that, my position about two months. And obviously, you know, they, then they start giving me IAs to handle and admin, but I was, I'm, I'm built for that because that's what I did. So they were mm-hmm. giving me all this stuff. Then they finally called me in the office one day and he goes, you know what, Moe, we, we were just talking, talking to the chief, you're the best promotion that we've made since we've been here. And I just kind of smirked because I, because <laughs> I knew, and uh, it, yeah. it was, it was interesting because uh, all, all my folks, you know, because leadership is about taking care of your folks, making sure that you mentor them, get them what they need. And you got to be a good listener because if you're, talking and you know you that's crazy so i tell people you know i I'd give my expectations i give them a list of what my expectations were that tell them basically hey you follow the rules treat people with respect and you know if you need something let me know don't lie to me you know and and you know we'll take care of business so the da's office back then was so it was it was kind of like several micromanagers so And you can tell the guys that weren't supervisors because they, you know, like if their guys said, hey, we want to go out to uh, L.A. County to look for a guy, they would get all tensed up. Well, when I became supervisor, my guys wanted to roll. Yeah, I mean, you're adults. You know, we 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 give you a gun. We give you a badge. We give you a take home car and we give you authority to go out there and do your job. And we got it. So we have to give you trust. And so I, my guys, they said we need to go out to you know the valley to go do something. Go, you know, they'll check in with me two hours. Hey, we're still out here, no problem. And they always took care of business because my biggest thing was don't don't let me get a call from the chief's office saying hey, you know so and so was out here in Orange County and they got in a shooting. Did you know about that? Because I right. you know, I don't want to be the last to know. So as long as we have accountability and and you're being straight up with people. Yeah, and that's good. And then, like, when you they have a dress code, so they have summer dress where you can dress down. You have to wear a shirt and tie. So a lot of times, though, as you know, you can't. You know, sometimes you get a one pass in the neighborhood. and If you're in a certain tie, they're gonna mm-hmm. know you're the police. Yep. So a lot of times, where you know, my folks would call and say, "Hey, well, I'll say we're gonna be going so and so. Is it okay if I dress down dirty today? Which means just like some Levi's." I go, "Sure, man. No problem." You know, so there for me, is because it, I know I know what they're doing and, and I've done undercover work. So I, I, I get it. But but some supervisors, they want their guys to be, you know, suited and booted and <laughs> shirts and ties. and <laughs> Yeah. You, you can't yep. you can't do surveillance like that because people pass by. With them, that's the police. And oh, they yeah. Know right they away, they
1: you know. know. They know. They know yeah. right away. I mean, all the other things are already going to give you away. And then, you know, so at least try to even the playing field just a little bit, just a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you you get one shot at some of these things sometimes,
1: right? No yep. doubt, no doubt. So uh, you know, you said that was uh, back when you when you know back in the day a little bit. You know, back then, has uh, a, a number of other African Americans or other minorities come through the office uh, since you've been there?
0: Yes, in fact, I I I helped get them there. Believe it or not, so we have okay, you know, you have uh, uh, Derek Ford's there. Uh, we have. Uh, 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 Eric Miller, he's a commander now, you know, he made commander, but all these guys are coming after me. There's a Kevin Decoux That's there. He was with the CHP for 30 years. He came when we were hired part-time investigators. And I remember he, uh, he had retired as a Sergeant. And so he's working part-time here. So they were getting rid of the part-timers, but they were going to bring on the part-timers full-time. And so they said, Hey, you just got to have your intermediate and advanced post. So he's like, Hey, no problem. Cause he was a supervisor. Well, during his tenure with the CHP, he thought that the CHP automatically put in for your post certificates, and they didn't. Oh. You know, oh. but he but he thought that. So so when he got ready to apply, he just had a basic, and so they were like, and so the assistant chief at that time was a, a guy by the name of Frank Paveril. So he went up and uh, he went up to uh, Frank. I think uh, Paveril's son works for Redlands PD. Or something, but I. But at the time, anyway, he went up to uh, to Frank and he asked him. He goes, "Hey, I, I got this issue." and Frank just kind of shooed him away. He like, "Nah, eh, that's too bad for you." So he came to see me. So I, uh, I, I, he, he showed me what I said. I Say, said, you know what, man? I says, "You, you need to be talking to the chief." I go, mm-hmm. "The chief likes you and stuff. They can contact posts. All you gotta do is work a uh, forty-hour work week, man, and then they can just show that you're working full time." and they can get your post certificates to you. So I, I I, was him, and I wrote a memo for him, you know, addressed it, wrote it, laid yeah. it all out. He sent it to the chief. The chief got it. Uh, they let him work for a whole week, and he got his intermediate, advanced, and supervisory post, and he's still there today. There you so go. So that was yeah. good. He, he works workers' comp. So you, you have to take care of people, you know?
1: Yeah, no doubt. Now, does the does does this agency? Do you find yourself with a, a lot of retirees or people that uh, that worked pre- previous agencies? Do you get uh, trainees? Uh, you know, straight boots in. What what, what sort of personnel do you no. guys get?
0: So the, the DA's office hires strictly uh, experienced law enforcement officers. And does you so in other words, you come from another agency and then you you're you're you know you're a. You migrate into the DA's office and stuff, and that's how it starts. So everybody that uh, that that I've worked with, nobody's come straight just from the DA's office. They come from outside agencies, you know. So it's interesting. I've had uh, folks from Whittier, Long Beach, um, Santa Ana, uh, Fullerton, Orange County DA. Uh, we have people from uh, South Lake Tahoe just kind of like all over uh, um kind of costa so so there's there's just so we are kind of like just a mix of group and then obviously you have folks from the sheriff's department out here uh Relis PD, P D, um Colton
1: San Bernardino I'm sure
0: San Bernardino yeah San Bernardino so yeah Kevin yeah. Ford came from San Bernardino PD so yeah so you, you get you, you just get a, a mixture of folks Banning PD Beaumont so it, it's yeah. interesting yeah
1: yeah, yeah. yeah okay so, and then so it's uh, probably
0: one of the best kept, best best jobs in the, in the county a lot of people don't know that's that you get a take-home car you got weekends off so you're not right. getting call outs you know and uh it's it's pretty low-key unless, I mean, I, uh,
1: unless you unless you're on that rollout team and something happens on the weekend <laughs> then you get a call out
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, get a uh, you know i yeah now i worked homicide for years with lapd so i I'm done with call-outs. I remember, uh, but I used to. There was a time when, um, and my wife would get mad because I'd be on call in LA PD, but the phone would be on her side of the bed. I'd be sleeping like a baby, and the phone rang. Right. And she goes, "For you." And I, I was, I would always wake up with a pen and pad by. Yeah, how you doing? Did you go to sleep? <laughs> yeah, I've been sleep, man. How you doing? Yep. it where we got to roll to it? Just go out, but yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I worked
1: a, I worked a few details where we were always on call and. Man, I would dread, you know, you, you, you just like you said, sleeping like a baby, and you know, three o'clock in the morning, and and you know that cell phone goes off, and you know, hey baby, I got a roll. So you know, it is what it is. It's, this 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 is what we do. So yeah, it was yeah. it was it was fun, but you know, it gets it gets old after a while. I I can see where you're talking about there. It gets old after a while.
0: Yeah, Sometimes. you know, I I think uh, homicide is is very unique in itself because this that's the ultimate crime you can commit. Yes. and so you know you're gonna you turn you going turn you turn over every stone, you exhaust every resource for that. And I I really, I, although it was a sad occasion because we're rolling out to someone who's died, I enjoyed right. working that because it was like the body was evidence It's telling you what happened to it, and you start from you start from that scratch right there, and then you work out and you you build your case and you get your suspect or suspects. Yeah, so it it was good. So I worked that really really well. I enjoyed that.
1: What what brought you out to San Bernardino County, from L.A.?
0: Uh, so you know, I live out in San Bernardino County. I live in Rancho. I uh, I was I was just on the computer one night, and I'm looking around, and I see San Bernardino County District Attorney's office that you know that they're hiring, and so I I put in an application, kind of like as I, as a joke. I said, let me put this in. So the next thing I know, uh, I get a phone call, and they go, hey, you won't be an investigator you'd be a senior investigator based on your education and experience and uh we'd like to interview you so i went down for the oral interview it was a three panel board and i did my interview and everything and they said hey well we'll let you know in a couple you know a couple of days the assistant chiefs will make a decision if you're gonna have a chief oral said okay sir well thanks a lot so kind of left and i just brought a brand new motorcycle so me and my youngest son were out in Costa costa mesa Going to TGIFs. I remember pulling. I get a phone call. Hey, congratulations! This, this, this is uh, we'd like to give you another oral and you know chief's oral. So I went to that. And a couple of days later, you know they say, hey, this is a, a job offer pending your background and this, that, and the other. Well, at LAPD I had just brought brand new uniforms, you know, because it was we had got a uniform allowance and everything. So right. from the time that from the time that I took that last chief's oral. Uh, to being hired, I was out, I was out of the LAPD in a month. They just <laughs> processed me that quick. Yeah. And so, uh, that was, that was, it was, it was pretty fast. So I, when I first left LAPD, I was like, man, I'm taking a $26,000 pay cut. I was all panicked, but, uh, but I wasn't thinking you're going to be getting your retirement from LAPD and then plus you are coming out here to work. So everything worked out. And I didn't know right. that I was going to take home car there. You know, my supervisor here says, hey, I, I'm going to pick you up Monday. So I was thinking, well, how am I going to get home if you're going to pick me up? So he was there, you pick up your car at noon. So for 12 and a half years, you yeah, take home car, you know, with no, you know, just I'm not, it's county gas. So that's pretty nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so I see behind you, you got a, you got a couple books there standing up behind you or are those a couple that you wrote?
0: Yeah, now I've written a book about my experience at uh, Los Angeles Police Department, and it's called uh, Gangsters Narcotic the Homicide, Protecting the Thin Blue Line. And this uh, is a chronology and a a biography of my career and the units I worked in and some of the significant things that occurred to me personally with the Los Angeles Police Department. So the book is all true, and it's based on, you know, it's based on everything I did there. It's based on my my complaint history, getting complaints, uh, my shootings I was involved in, uh, some of the investigations I did working on homicide, uh, you know, those different things, how I met my wife. I mean, just it's just it's all in there. And uh, so it's, it's a quick up. read.
1: Yeah. 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 Where, where can where can we pick that up at?
0: OK, so you can uh, my book is uh, available at Amazon Books, uh, Barnes and Nobles and then Book Baby and iBooks as well
1: okay all so, right so you yeah so you got it in the hard and well that's a paperback is that a paperback or that's a hardback? paperback
0: that's yeah this is a paperback behind me and then you can obviously you can get it on the, the kindle or or ibooks
1: there you go there you go so 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 give us an exclusive give us a just a, just a tidbit little little story out of the book
0: okay so i i will talk about uh, i had a we had a homicide so when i was working homicide the last day of the riots, I uh, uh, had a victim by the name of Michelle Helfer. She was a juvenile victim. And she was actually a runaway from Rancho Cucamonga when she was hanging out in the area of 98th and Broadway in Los Angeles, and in South Los Angeles. But back then, we called it South Central Los Angeles. But being politically correct now, it's South Los Angeles. And so there was a dusk to dawn curfew. Uh, about 1 o'clock in the morning, people heard shots. They heard about six to eight shots being fired. Uh, the next morning, but between she was in a, she was located in the alley between 97th and, and 98th Street, just uh, east of Broadway, and uh, she was obviously dead there. So when we started doing the canvass to the area that day, um, the neighbors we knocked on the door. They said, "Yeah, we heard shots." And I said, "Well, sh- this lady's dead right in front of your your you know your front yard." Says, "Well, we didn't shots are so frequently we didn't pay attention to that." So a little girl is standing over behind the crime scene tape, and she looks at me, and she goes, I, I know where that lady lives, so she uh, escorts me and directs me to a house on 98th Street, knock on the door, and I talk to a female by the name of Patty Mendoza. I go, hey, Pat. I go, hey, I'm a Detective Lander from the Los Angeles Police Department. I work homicide. She so says, I have a picture of an individual that I think that you may know, and I, I kind of I need a name, so I showed her the picture. She goes, she started crying. Yeah, this is that's Michelle... You know, and she was here last night, but I didn't see her after a certain time. Well, that particular day while I'm talking to her, interviewing her a little unbeknown to me, I saw all three of my murder suspects that day. Two of them were looking at me in the next yard and the third one walked up and he was, uh, you know, uh, his, his name is, uh, his name is Corey Lloyd. All these guys are hooked up now; they're still in jail, but he was, uh, smoking a cigarette and they go, Hey, have you, when's the last time see Michelle? I'll give her a cigarette last night, seven o'clock. I haven't seen her, So down back down on, on 98th street real quick we went down there and and so there was a lady at her her bedroom window kind of faced the alley so she said that she had saw uh a male black and two male hispanics which that was correct but she said they were from a cxl carnalis game and so okay. we started we we started getting the game information for that and started looking that up so we saw that they had two male blacks in carnalis so one was living in Downey, and the other one was in Kansas. So my partner and I, next you know, we we're on a plane to Kansas because we were looking for the CXL tattoo to verify. So prior to leaving, going to Kansas on our investigative trip, we had a, a kid by the name of Greco. And it turns out, his, his uncle was a Los Angeles police officer working in Division, but we didn't know that mm. at the time. So Greco was uh, providing my partner information about his game. So when we flew out to Kansas to go and to run that end down to see if the, the guy in Kansas is our suspect, Greco gets shot and killed in an unrelated drive-by shooting at uh, 99th and Normandy in the Sheriff's area. Yep. Oh, damn. We, we swing over. Yeah, so we go to the funeral there. We go to the internment site, and we're in a van. The uncle, who's a Los Angeles police officer, he doesn't know we're there, but he's there. So my partner and I, we're in a van, SID van, scientific investigation, taking photos. But we got shotguns, and we're just kind of sitting there. And I'm telling my partner, I go, hey, man, I go, I can see that that uh, Greco, he's uneasy with all these gangsters here, and he's standing next to his sister trying to support it. I said, if these guys break out with guns, man, we're going to have to come out these bands and take care of some business. So the guys started dispersing the funeral, started leaving, and you see guys with guns in their waistbands. and. Greco, he was cool. He didn't try anything. So we started calling in the sheriff's department, because that was LA County's area, and they were taking these guys off. So there's a thing in homicide. If you're gonna solve a if you're solve your homicide in 60 days, you gotta I call it penalty paper. You gotta write this big long report about, you know, what you did up until that point, what are your plans for the next, you know, three uh, uh six weeks and so forth. Mm-hmm. So day fifty-nine, my partner, uh Chuck Holly. He's on military leave, so it's just me working the case, you know, at an office. So I get a call from a guy named Sosa, a real estate agent, who's a for, he was a former Los Angeles police explorer. And he goes, "Hey, I got this uh, lady that lives on 98th Street. Her name is Consuelo uh, Rodriguez, and she has a daughter, Patty Mendoza, and she knows about this murder." Blah blah blah. I go, "Really? Well, Patty Mendoza had already interviewed that, you know, initially. She said she didn't know nothing. So I drove out." To the house, knocked on the door, and I call this my happy meal murder, because I knocked on the door and I said, Hey Patty, I said, I got the information that you know about who killed Michelle. So I go, This is how this works. I go, you can either come with me voluntarily today and give me a statement, provide me information and come truthful, or I'm gonna go get a warrant for you and I'm gonna I'm gonna arrest you as a you know conspiracy to commit murder, you know, uh-huh. or aider and a better. So mm-hmm. she goes, I gotta get my baby. So she gets the baby. We start going to the station and she goes. Uh, my baby don't have anything to eat, so I, the reason I call it my Happy Meal murder. I stopped and brought her kid a Happy Meal, and Patty told me everything—the whole murder. She laid it all out, and so they were across yeah. the street playing spin the bottle, and they uh, they raped they had raped my our victim, and then when they walked up to the alley, they all shot him. So anyway, we wow. go out, and uh, we uh, uh, by that time, uh, Shadow, which is the only black guy in the game, so they call him Shadow. Of course, his name was Corey Lloyd. He's staying in Rialto off of Lilac with his girlfriend. And so I'm living in Rancho here. And I'm thinking, you know what? So I told my partner, I go, hey, man, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go out to Rialto. And I hooked up with there I guess back then they had a thing called SCAT, uh, Street Crime st- Street Crime Attack Team. So I hooked up and the sergeant's name was Pearson. So I hooked up with their team of guys. And we go over to Lilac and uh, right, we, we hit that location. He's not there. But uh, his girlfriend's there. Her name was Lisa Gibson. So Lisa uh had a baby that was from a tongan guy but corey thought it was his child but it wasn't and so at some point he had kind of conf- confided in her that he had some involvement with you know with the death of michelle so we try to do a ruse to try to get him to come home i said hey why don't you call him tell him that the baby's sick and that you need to go to kaiser so i'm on the phone and i'm listening in and she's calling him and he's telling her hey f you catch the bus but I said, "Hey," so I asked her, "Do you know where he's at?" She goes, "Yeah." I says, "Hey, we. I said, you don't know, have guns. We'll travel. We'll go to him." So we get in the car, and she gets in the car with us, and Rialto's. Uh, we're following him and we're going northbound up lac. So as we get to a stop sign, so I think the street was green. Uh, coming coming southbound is our suspect. So I remember uh, she points him out. We uh, make a U turn. We go back. Uh, Rialto. Uh, Kind of deploys on the car and they they take uh, him down for me. So I remember I had a London fog rain jacket on. I remember walking up to him and I said, Hey, Corey. I I says, Corey Lloyd, right? I go, Yeah, go ahead. Detective Ladder from Los Angeles Police Department. I go, Hey, I got some good news and some bad news for you. I said, Hey, the good news is, is we know who killed Michelle Helford. I go, The bad news is, it's you. So I remember taking him into custody, driving him back to LA. (laughs) Then we hit the other place on 98th Street. And the brains of this was a seventeen-year-old guy, yeah, Sugar Bear Lopez. Seventeen. Yeah, he was the brains of this thing because he his big thing was his uncle was supposed to be from Mexican Mafia, so he thought he, he thought it was a machismo thing to go to jail. Mm. So we ended up getting him, and then we ended up getting the other guy. Uh, I went and talked to his mother, another adult. His his name was Pirate, and his last name was Guzman. So I talked to I talked to um, I spoke to her, I say, hey, your, your son needs to turn himself in. I says before I put this in the system, he can call me or call any police agency as long as he you turn himself in. So probably within two hours, he turned himself in to, to Norwalk Station to the Sheriff's Department. So I remember interviewing him, and we, you know, we had search warrants for serology, trace evidence, and everything. So we interviewing him, and uh, when I went to the autopsy, the victim had uh, the first she had first stage gonorrhea, so you can tell she had been raped. So I'm interviewing this guy, and he think he's all macho. He goes, "Yeah, you know, Michelle wanted me, you know, but I couldn't do anything because, you know, you know, I had my my girlfriend had burnt me." I go, "What do you mean your girlfriend burnt you?" He goes, "Well, you know, I had, uh, you know, I had gonorrhea. Boom, that was a home run." So we tried the case in Pasadena. <laughs> he got burned Normally twice. We tried in Compton. <laughs> we tried it in Pasadena, and I called it's the good old lady. I called the good the good little old lady from Pasadena because I'm on the stand and. Uh, the judges and the attorneys are doing a sidebar, so they're talking. And I'm understanding. So uh, Lopez looks back at me in front of the jury president and shoots me the finger. You know, I'll never forget that. And I kind of wow. looked at him, you know, and yeah, I looked at him. I said, okay. So anyway, I, I finished my testimony and the court, every, all the evidence was submitted for everything else. You know, the coroner came out and all that stuff. And so the jury went to deliberate. They were they they it only took them a day to deliberate. They say, hey, we got a verdict. So I remember coming back and uh they read the verdict. They were they were they were all found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder, which is harder to prove than murder itself. And so first I kind of sit back in the chair, but I go, well, oh, that's even better. Right? And so the mm-hmm. only reason they didn't do the death penalty, the only reason they didn't do the death penalty is because Lopez was a juvenile so Like I said, he was 17, but you know, he we did a minute order and got him tried as an adult. So I remember uh, the, all the juries leaving and everybody, and he's walking out, out the courtroom. I looked at him, and I go, hey, yeah, hang yourself. Oh. I, I gave him a, a you know,
1: uh-huh. and, just, and I walked out.
0: You know, and I'm just being real, because yeah. that, that was a very violent murder. And then yes. the second thing in the book, real quick, is I had another guy named uh, uh, Michael Hebert. He was a serial murderer, you know, that I had that one of my victims was his victim. And we got this guy. And I remember test. I testified to him after I left the DA's office. So he-, he just got the death penalty. But that was interesting. He's in the book. His pictures in the book. You know, and that's just some of the highlights. And then I talk about. You know, how you know, many? 30, I was at 39th at Dalton.
1: How many victims did he, did he do? You say he was a serial.
0: He was good for uh, that. That they know of. He was good for eight. He had. Wow. Uh, this is just before. Uh, this is just before DNA hit. He had already did my victim was number four in the series in South Bureau and she couldn't connect them because they, you didn't have we didn't have coded system yet for DNA mm. so after so after a while back after they started getting him in the system that came out and then the same mo he had dumped uh three victims in alleys in Culver City you know so he would rape all his girls and uh he, they would die through patekia because he would he would snap a small bone in their neck because I remember when I went to the autopsy, they couldn't find anything. I'm like, there got to be something. But my my victim was discovered in Will Rogers Park, in off of uh, Western in El Segundo. Well, when she she was back in a secluded area in a walkway. So when we found her, you know, when they, she was discovered, she was half nude. But the, the thing was, this guy he screwed up doing my murder because, I, and we I I couldn't believe this. It was just like the luck of the Irish. He, his ID. And stuff was under her body. I, we couldn't believe it. I go, here's a guy right here, Michael Hughes. This guy be our suspect, and it turns out that that was our guy.
1: So man, he, he left you a calling card. Yeah. Here, yeah, here I is, am. Yeah, you come, come get me. me. Yeah, come get me. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Yeah. So that's all in the book. Make sure, that's make sure everybody go. Yeah, go pick that up.
0: Yeah. I was cool also at 39th in Dalton too. Yeah, I was at 39th in Dalton. So that was the the. Controversial search warrant in LAPD at these uh, four residents of some gang members. So I was there for that. And uh, I wrote in the book, you know, my involvement and what happened there. And we had a commanding officer who had told people, I want you to make the place uninhabitable. And we'd never forget that. And I remember meeting with our unit and said, hey, man, I said, I didn't come on this job to tear people's stuff up. You know, I came on this job to put people in jail and do the right thing. And I said, so right. what he's telling you. Don't do that. And then he had also told us this is a captain of police. Hey, if you guys are involved in an officer involved shooting, the department won't look at it as harshly as it would other shootings because he's a gang member. So I pulled our guys out of the gap. Hey, man, don't believe that. You're responsible for every single round that comes from your gun. Right. Uh, so, you know, we had a thing called background, age, last resort, knowledge, and serious crime, and then idle, you know, immediate defense of life shooting. So you can't just shoot and think that, okay, because the captain said it's cool you because that wasn't the fact so that wasn't that it. was a yep. that was a yeah that was a that was a, a big search warrant that was very controversial that uh that changed a lot of things and uh it was it was interesting
1: yeah so w- when did the book come out when did when did it come
0: out now it came out just before it came out in uh may of uh let's see just before the pandemic okay it came out. It actually came out May 2020. So it came out during the pandemic. And so I couldn't do any book signings. You know, I've I've I mean, I've 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 signed a bunch of books and so I have some here for people that, that know me and, and send it out. So I've I've sent my book all over the place. So but uh, right. I'm, I'm going to try yes. to hold a signing at some point. But yeah, so it's a. Uh,
1: the feedback yeah, it a sounds like a, you can, you, that's what I was going to ask yeah. you, I was going to ask you, what's what's the feedback from, you know, the former agency? Uh, about some of those stories in the book.
0: Well, you know, I, uh, you know, I did some research, and uh, this, like I said, this book is about me, and it's all true. So anybody mentioned in there, that stuff that occurred. So you, when you read this book, you're not reading any fluff. Like, oh, he's making stories up. This is actually things that happened in my career. So what I did is I took my team's report, and I so that I'm able, to, I was able to follow when I was at a certain division, how long I was there when I got promoted, my accommodations I got, shootings I got, complaint investigations I got. I put all that in there. I was very uh, uh, forthcoming with the book. And then problems that I had with, like I talked about this one captain, I named him in the book because it happened. And he uh, also, uh, he gave a statement in the LA Times you know, so I quoted that statement and referenced that, and I put that in the book because that it happened. You know, so it's not anything. Yeah. I'm not slandering anybody or make, and so they know it happened. So I, yeah, I didn't worry about that. So initially, I was worried about trademark on the badge, and then I did some more uh, information about that. They go, hey, well, even though uh, you know it's the city of Los Angeles, that's you know, the badge is assigned to you. But I, I put, I, but I, uh, I had them do a little bit of something different to the bash. It's a LAPD bash, but I had them do some different things. So it, it says, it says City of Los Angeles on the uh, book cover. It says City of Gangsters, and you know, stuff there like that. Go. So it just kind yeah, of switches yeah. up a little bit. Yep, yep, yeah. And, and so the, yeah, so the bash uh, number is my my classmate, my class date. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, because uh, since doing this show, you know, I've spoken to a, a bunch of you know LAPD people and. Uh, you know, some are are kind of wary about, you know, saying, you know, where they work when they're when they come on the show, you know, do the, whatever retribution or or they got to go through the channels or something like that. So, you know, I, I totally I, I feel you on that. I, I know what you're talking about there. I know what you're talking about there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, basically, I mean, back in the day, believe it or not, I did the Donahue show. And I, I uh, Donahue. I got asked to so, come up, to, hold yeah, up. real quick Phil, Phil for, for, the, for
1: the, yeah, for people out there that don't know, Phil Donahue was a talk show host. He was daytime. He wasn't even, uh, that, that, he was a daytime talk show host. So, so you know, Oprah before Oprah. So before right. uh, who's the new ones out there now? Um, Ellen DeGeneres. You know that's So yeah. for, for reference, he was the Ellen DeGeneres of the of the early '80s and late '70s, right?
0: Yeah, in the 90s. So what happened with that is uh, I had a guy named Frank Cuisine says, hey, Moe, he goes, hey, I, I got uh, this lady called, and they, they want us to do the, they wants to do the uh, Phil Donahue show, man, I want to know if you want to come up there. So I was working homicide at the time. So I remember taking off, and they flew us up there. I, I took her a, a, a red eye to fly to New York. <laughs> I got there that morning, got dressed, got in the green room. And Donahue, he was really nice. He came in and he goes, hey, listen, I want to talk to you guys. I'm just going to be very open with you and just, you know, you can tell us some things about, you know, your agency and this, that, and the other. So even back then, the show was about police abuse. And I remember we went out there and so me, Hank, and a guy named Fritz were from the police department from LAPD. And then he had an attorney, uh, civil rights attorney from New York. And I remember we did the show and at some point uh, the attorney gave this hypothetical that kind of blew our minds. He goes, Hey, you know, well, we're worried about you know officers throwing people off a roof. That's how he said it. I go off the off the off the top of a roof. Yeah, he goes. Yeah, I said. Well, I can tell you right now, sir. I go. A Los Angeles police officer is not gonna let another Los Angeles police officer throw somebody off the roof, and without stopping them. I go. That's not gonna happen. You know. So, uh, but he it was very interesting. It was a pretty good show, pretty good dialogue. But one of the things I said when I went on that show is I said, hey, I I, I kind of gave him like a disclosure. I go. I just want to let everybody know that the opinions voiced during this show are that of my own, not the Los Angeles Police Department. So I kind of cleared them and then we kind of talked, you know. Yeah. So. Cool. So I mean, we did that.
1: Yeah, and working the homicide and 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 all the investigative stuff that you're doing now with the DA's office, it's got to be pretty gratifying when you get you know closure to the victims. You know, you you make them whole. Uh, you know, you you uh, bring the the perpetrators to justice, whether it's in a homicide or or real estate fraud or what have you. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that?
0: You know, I think that's uh, that it, it is a good a good feeling. I think the most gratifying one of the most gratifying things we did is. We we arrested an attorney. That was that was beautiful. But, uh, they had a loan modification fraud thing out here in San Bernardino County, and the, the attorney's name was Saringo Ringo. And this guy was a brand new Saringo uh, Ringo. Yeah, <laughs> you can't you can't make that this stuff name. up.
1: Yeah, you can't make this no. stuff up.
0: Yeah, so he was they, they were housed in Upland, and uh, they were making uh, big money. So basically, here's how the scam worked. As you know, when doing loan modifications, a lot of times people, if you couldn't pay your mortgage for three months, and then you would file with your bank or somebody to try to get a loan modification. And a lot of times they would do it because they would say, Well, I can't I can't afford to make my mortgage payments. It's been three months. Well, what our suspects were doing, they were telling our victims, hey, don't pay your rent for three months. And then they would get all their documentation, they would look at their banking records. And so it was, they, they were really, they were just predatory. So they would, so let's say for instance, you had $10,000 in your banking account. So when they looked at your bank records and said, hey, you know, we can, and, and the lie was that, the, is that they can get your loan mod. So they said, hey, what we can do is we can get you a loan modification, but we're gonna need $8,000 from you uh, cash. And then we're gonna need you to pay us $495 a month. And this might take about eight or nine months. Well, loan mods, vacations only take three months. They're gonna tell you yes or no within th- within three months, no matter what. So these guys would drag people along, and then he had a pass-through account, the Seringo Ringo, and so he was he had a guy named Claussen and another guy that he was using, and they were passing this money through. And I'm talking about nine hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars at a time, and this was going on like every month. So they were making big money doing that. So we finally caught up with with Ringo. Ringo. We uh, we did some work and. We found uh, he had a, a fraud suspects always use PO boxes, so he had this address in Huntington Beach and it was a PO box. So we went there and then we got his real address in Westminster. So when we rolled back to Westminster, we did our surveillance, our site survey. My guys did to get the search warrant, and so he had a uh, a black uh, Nissan Altima parked in the driveway. And if I was him that day, I would have just burned it, set it on fire, because Everything we needed to make the case was in the trunk of that car, just parked there. <laughs>
1: of course, it was.
0: So, but it got, uh, but it got better because we. I remember hitting that place, and so when uh, Westminster Police Department came, their sergeant that was working their dope team used to work for me at LAPD in the Gang Unit, a guy named uh, Darren Upstiles. So he was a dope sergeant. So in this attorney's home. There we you know we started going through clearing it and there was one door that was locked the bedroom and we okay, he got a key for this and his wife was acting real hinky She's well can I leave this well we're just renting the house and it's that's the owner's room and I mean just hinky so one of my right. investigators found the key when he opened the door it was a hydroponic grow they, they were growing <laughs> marijuana
1: they're growing uh, weed you, over you there make,
0: you can't you can't <laughs> make this up so we got in there he just had some he had several plants but it was just buds or so it wasn't enough to even though the hydroponic grow was going, it wasn't enough to get them, and it was a big house, so I recalled I called call for additional resources so that we can kind of expedite the searches and be a little more meticulous. So by the time the other guys arrived out here from uh, you know from San Bernardino to help us, uh, and also went back there, and he found a, a big old uh, cardboard box full of dried out marijuana, and that's how we got him. So I remember walking him out the handcuffs personally to the black and white, and apparently he was an attorney out there. Defending kind of like the underworld clubs out there. Mm. And uh, the, the sergeant that came out upstills, one of his officers had was doing the an investigation. And this guy, this attorney had jammed him before. So it was it was kind of gratifying that he was actually putting, the, putting that attorney in the car. So we yeah. got him just barred and, and uh, he did some time. That was good. Oh, yeah.
1: Attorney needed uh, an attorney. Yes. Gratifying. That, All that. that. That's, that's that, it. That's what we do, and that's what we do in the, on this profession. You know, try to bring these these people to justice, and you know, make people whole and all, and all that. So, yeah, good stuff, exactly. good stuff. All right, Maurice, I, I appreciate you coming on to the show and and letting us know all the the breadth and wealth of knowledge that you've had and experience you've had over the years. How, how much longer are you gonna be doing at the uh, DA's office?
0: Well, I'm gonna be leaving there shortly because it's 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 time to go. i I've, I've done my time and i got a PI license, you know, and I'm doing pre-employment background investigations for uh, San Bernardino City Unified School District Police and some other agencies. So I enjoy kind of doing those kind of things and just I want to uh, enjoy traveling and just doing what I need to do. You know,
1: yes, yes. Got to got to live life, live that life. Yeah. What do you like doing when you're not working, though?
0: Well, you know, I I, like I said, my number one thing is I enjoy traveling, Uh, golfing. Cycling, motorcycle riding, and just you know, and working out. So I try to keep myself busy, and then hanging out with the uh with the grandkids. And I I, I like to do some writing.
1: Yeah. So, how many how many grandkids you said again? Four.
0: Four. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: so, they, so the oldest one's 13. So they got they they keeping us going here. You know.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I know, <laughs> I oh, know yeah. that. Oh yes. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll keep it up and, and stay strong and all that. But before I let you go, I got a little something I like to play. It's called... Uh, Last night I saw a superhero. He was black. He said, this is for the street. Black lightning's back. We call this the Black Lightning round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw some, some quick fire questions at you. You just quick fire some answers back. And then uh, we'll, we'll see a little bit more info we can get from you on this. All right, so real quick, uh, here's, okay. here's your first one. Uh Shaq or Kobe. Kobe. Kobe, yeah. Now that was that your thoughts before Kobe passed away? I mean back when the Shaq and Kobe thing was going on, you know. Think, think back then. What what was your real thoughts? No, no,
0: no. Kobe okay. Kobe's real my guy. He's a he's a he's yeah. a beast. He was a beast. Yes,
1: yes he was. Yes he was. Yeah, rest in peace, Kobe. Um, can you name all the LAPD chiefs you had in your career there?
0: Oh, I can. I started off with a uh, with a uh, Daryl Gates that was uh, my first chief. Uh, then they had an interim chief. We had a guy named Pomeroy and Bayon Lewis doing the interim. Then at that point, uh, we had Parks. He was appointed. Uh, when Parks left, then uh, well, I will take that back. Let me back up. So it was uh, so so we, we had Daryl Gates. Then we had uh, Pomeroy, Bayon Lewis. Those they were interim. Then we got Willie Williams. So Willie mm-hmm. Williams came on. And then Willie Williams left, and then we had Parks. And then after Parks left, then we got Bill Bratton. All right. So yeah, those are the it. folks that that were there. I don't want that.
1: Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. What's your favorite holiday?
0: Uh, my favorite holiday is Christmas.
1: Christmas. Why is that?
0: Christmas. Uh, because that's uh we have a standing uh thing in our a tradition, our my family here that all the kids no matter where they're at they all come to our house on christmas eve and we get to share that time and bring the grandkids and open the gifts so it's it's kind of like a uh big deal around here at the langel's residence my wife gets all up for it and we just have a good time
1: yeah that's what's up all right so you were able to name all the lapd chiefs can you name all the da's since you've been with the da's office
0: it's only been two so you have uh mike ramos and you have jason anderson
1: Oh, see, as far was, as the DAs. Was, all right, that was easy. That was easy for you then. All right, um, yes. <laughs> all right, so cal life. You you've been out here uh all your life. So overrated, underrated, or properly rated? In and out, In and Out Burger.
0: Uh, I would say it's I say it's properly rated. You know, we we all go for In and Out Burger from time to time, and you just you just need to they get in there and get you a double double. You know, and some fries. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. These these are all going to be icons of SoCal. What about King Taco?
0: You know, I haven't been to King Taco in probably a couple decades. Now I've, I've eaten there before, decades, but I haven't huh? been yeah. there in yeah, a couple decades.
1: So, so what would you say? Overrated, underrated, or properly rated?
0: When I used to go, it, I think yeah. it was properly rated. It was good. All right
1: and last uh how about roscoe's
0: chicken and waffles roscoe's chicken and waffles i i think they're properly rated i uh you know they i've been to the one at sunset and gower now they have one at uh manchester off of avalon in southeast and that was like deadly there because i mean not for us (laughs) lapd but they would have shootings because you had uh you know you had uh, avalon garden crips on one side of the street on the south side and then on the north side you had uh you know the swan bloods so that was like a buffer there so you take a chance to go in there and order you some chicken get you some wings but <laughs> you you know you, yeah. you might be circling the drain when you come out of right. here
1: right not 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 the dining experience that you you want all the time right <laughs> or at not, all No, not, like not exactly boy yeah. at all yeah all right uh, which would you rather take as, as uh, in law enforcement an elderly uh, dead body at a trailer park in the middle of July or a multi-car pile up in the pouring rain which would you rather take
0: I'll tell you what I've had I've had an elderly body when it's hot the uh, de- decomp the decomp and the smell yep. um, but you know, I. A good police officer always stays dry. So I think I would take uh, I would take the elderly, the elderly body because you're, you're not staying there the whole time. You just go in and do your thing. You step outside, wait for the coroner to come in and take the body and, and you're on your way.
1: Facts. TC, Facts.
0: you know, you got, yeah, you got, you got multiple TC, it's raining and you're getting yeah. wet. And, you know, you're trying to do measurements and stuff. Yeah, that's not so much. Yeah. <laughs>
1: for real. Yeah. All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Rams or chargers?
0: you know I'd, I'd have to say rams um especially now they got they got a new quarterback i'm a i'm a cowboy fan so let me qualify that oh no all right back. let me let me let me, let me end this show
1: let me end the show right now you said <laughs> cowboys
0: <laughs> hey well and here's the reason why you know i'm married right so uh uh-huh. There's a, a R&B singer, and I I know you know him, Johnny Taylor. And he made a song yeah. years ago that says Cheaper to Keeper.
1: Yep, so yep. that's
0: why I'm a cowboy fan. <laughs> okay. so, you, so you know All why right. I'm a cowboy fan.
1: Okay, okay. All right. I got you. I got you. So if you weren't uh, a cop, what what would you be doing? If you had never become you know a cop?
0: What? It's probably hard to say. I, I would probably be in some type of public service. I, you know, whether it be... You know schooling or something i would I would probably do something like that but you know my my dream from kindergarten and it's in a book it's true I, I always wanted to be a police officer when i was in kindergarten really? okay yeah all my right. uh my uh my kindergarten teacher was mrs wong she said what you guys want to be when you grow up i'll I be a police officer because i had a great experience as a young child you know my dad used to take me we lived in Compton. he would go up to the police station because he knew all the officers up there uh, I used to talk to a sergeant by the name of sergeant Job, and he would play hey you want a junior police badge and so i personally had a great experience coming up as a young kid and so uh, that that just that little interaction even at the age of four to five maybe one that's what i wanted to do
1: spark that interest all right that's what i'm talking yep. about um can you name five michael jackson songs
0: wow beat it yeah thriller yep uh abc yep uh let's see that's four um that's three billy jean
1: uh-huh okay billy
0: jean okay um
1: good thing we're not on a clock
0: i know man i'd be sitting down here let me uh yeah that's that's kind of like uh good. oh man man in You're the st- mirror
1: man in the mirror okay i was gonna say you stuck on four <laughs>
0: There's, there's, there's a bunch of, them, but I was just like, oh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, once you get put on the spot, once you get put on the spot. All right, I'm gonna put you on the on the more spot. Can you do five Prince songs? Oh man. Are you, are you, you know, a Prince like guy? Little
0: red, li, yeah. Well, kind of. Little Red Corvette. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. Purple Rain. Yep. I'm dating myself now because I. <laughs> hey, that, that's that's me um, right there. Yeah. Let's see here
1: let's say no he's just let's, a, say you, let's say you can't just,
0: do it <laughs> I, a, I can't do it I can't do
1: it yeah Prince is my guy though Prince is my guy he's he for me is my favorite performer of all time so yeah and and last last but certainly not least in your professional opinion did OJ do it
0: that's a that's a very that's that's good I think I think he had some involvement okay with that case um being from lapd and uh and knowing uh mike Furman, who was uh he he, he was a racist guy yeah and Furman, i just think yep. that yeah you know, yeah yeah there was just there was just a bunch of different things and how it could have been handled you know so it was just a lot of things johnny cochran was a great defense attorney yeah ron yeah shapiro so they had a bunch of guys there during that time and uh it, that was interesting i you know I was working south bureau then but you know obviously occurred in West bureau but it was interesting that because of the high profile normally divisional the uh, homicide units wouldn't handle that it should have been handled by robbery homicide division I think they mm-hmm. came on later but they should have came on from the beginning and removed Furman out of there and I think the end result would have been a little different right yeah so, All right. that's what I think All right.
1: yeah. All right. So we gonna say yes. Check that yes box. That's it. OJ. Yep, OJ did We we all know he did. We all know he did. Yeah. All right. Alright my man, I appreciate you coming on and uh and and espousing that knowledge again dropping it you, you got a wealth of knowledge and experience and we're gonna make sure everyone picks up that book and gets some good stories you, you, you told us a, a little bit of it gave us a preview so sounds like an interesting read everybody make sure you pick that up on Amazon um, all, all the books you know, book places uh, ibooks all that so I appreciate you thank you I appreciate for uh, that yeah thank you for coming on and uh, you, you be safe out there
0: all right thank you you do the same
1: you got it brother. All right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen. And that's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I want to thank my man Maurice Landrum, supervisor investigator for the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office, for stopping by and blessing us with some of his knowledge and experiences while working as an LAPD homicide detective and now as a DA's investigator. Be sure to check out his book, "Gangsters, Narcotics, Homicide: Protecting the Thin Blue Line," wherever books and eBooks are sold. If you guys out there enjoyed this episode, be sure to give the show a like, share, and subscribe on YouTube, or rate it five stars on your favorite podcast platform. I'll be back in a couple weeks with another amazing law enforcement guest. Same black time, same black channel, but till then, (laughs) y'all already know this by now, but uh, stay black in blue. I'll holler at you, deuces.
0: This has been a nature-dee
1: entertainment presentation.